Welcome back to Allocation Disorder. I am Sam Stasekel, joined as always by Paul Tenorio. And as always, it feels like anyway, we're going to talk more about MLS is back and COVID-19 and everything going on in Orlando, in the bubble, outside the bubble, all of this mess. It's a developing story. It's a developing situation. A lot of stuff is changing every single day. feels like every single hour, Paul. Um, we've been writing a lot about it. We've been talking to lots of people about it. Um, we are now what, as we sit here recording on Thursday night, we are allegedly six days out from when this thing is going to kick off with inner Miami in Orlando city on Wednesday, July 8th at 8 PM Eastern time on ESPN. Uh, Nashville and Chicago are supposed to follow that game up on Wednesday night. Nashville is still not even in Orlando. They were supposed to get there two days ago. They're having some complications. We can get into that later. First off, let me back up a second. How are you doing, Paul? Well, I had a joke all lined up, and then you just started talking. You know, I was just going to say, Sam, that I hope that our (laughs) listeners can't tell how sick of each other we are at this point. I mean, how many hours of the day today do you think we spent on the phone with each other? significantly more than I spent talking to my wife. That's for sure. Like by like a factor of (laughs) five or six, I would say. I mean, we were probably on the phone. I would say a solid six hours today. Minimum. Oh yeah. Is that fair? That's fair. And that's not even counting right now. We've got another hour to go. It's not. But you know what? We're going to bring it. We're going to bring it for the listeners. We love, we love talking to each other, Sam. And we've got so much to talk about that we didn't spend all day writing about and, <laughs> we, and banging our heads we the do. desk about. We do. So let's, let's just lay it out for everyone. The latest, the latest update. As we sit here on Thursday evening, FC Dallas, I think it's fair to say, is in a bit of a crisis. Um, since they arrived in Orlando into the bubble on Saturday, they have had nine players that we know of test positive and a coach test positive. Um, they were they had two players test positive kind of in the buildup to leaving for Orlando. They had a previous test early in June that had time to recover um, before they left for the tournament. So if those two, and we don't know, but if those two that tested positive before they left to Orlando didn't go to the competition and, and were still recovering... Um, they're looking at 11 players that they're down from a starting point of what is it? 26, right? Because of three loans and a suspension. Well, so actually, they're looking at maybe one of 15 our readers, players, 16 players. Well, one of our readers pointed out in the comment section today that actually two of the three players on loan in USL are in Orlando. So they're only down two of the four loaned players. Okay, there you go. They're starting at 28 minus the minus the nine testing positive takes them down to 19, potentially minus the two uh, prior to leaving that 17 and then minus uh, Jesse Gonzalez, uh, which takes it to 16, right? Yeah. So it's not it's not great. Yeah. Uh, No, it's not great. And. You know, I think there are some real questions about whether or not they're going to be able to compete at all in this tournament. I think there are some real questions about if they're going to have to forfeit a game and then maybe play the last two in the group stage. Their their first match is supposed is is on the second day of the tournament, scheduled for July 9th against Vancouver. Um, so they're in some trouble. They can't train right now either. So that's another factor that they have to deal with and try and navigate. Um, not a good situation to say the least. Columbus also had a positive test. Um, 
a little bit of a different situation than Dallas. Obviously, just one versus nine, so quite different in terms of the numbers. But Dallas is, they tested, two of their guys tested positive upon arrival in Orlando, um, and then the others tested, have tested positive in subsequent days. For Columbus, they arrived over the weekend as well. Uh, they all tested negative upon arrival, and then on Wednesday... They had a positive test and a positive result. And that's kind of concerning because, hey, how is that person getting it in the bubble after they've been in the bubble for a few days? Um, you know, Paul, you spoke to an epidemiologist today. Um, but it sounds like, you know, that's kind of the incubation period where that person probably got it in Ohio when before they left for Orlando and it's just showing up now. Um, that having said that, that person was in training, that person was in the team meal room, that person was around all of his teammates, all of Columbus's traveling party, um, in contact with them, potentially spreading this to them. So we'll see if the crew have any more subsequent positives here coming up. Um, that's something that, that certainly bears watching. Um, and we have, you know, we have teams that are postponing flights because of positive tests. Um, Nashville is one of those. So the whole thing is, it feels kind of messy. Um, I think when you take a step back and look at the grand scheme of things, other than the Dallas positive, Col- the, the one Columbus positive is the only other positive that has come out of Orlando. So I think that is a, is no pun intended, positive for MLS and showing that although Florida and and the Orlando region outside of the bubble are exploding and continue to spike with cases, um, those don't seem to really be making their way inside. So that's a good thing. Um, But I think the main concern here now is can teams avoid catching it before they go to Orlando? And can they not bring it into the bubble? And if they do bring it in the bubble... Can it stay isolated and can the league avoid making it spread? And I think those are all pretty serious questions, maybe even existential questions um, for this tournament. So I don't know, I don't know what your general thoughts are here, Paul. But I think we have a lot to we have a lot to dive in on. So take it away. What what are you what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Well, I think the most important thing to communicate to fans who are wondering kind of what's going on and what. They should they should kind of be flagging with these positive tests is the simple idea of kind of an airlock to the bubble and the lack of that airlock and that transition period between players leaving kind of the outside world, their their markets and and entering the bubble. And by entering the bubble, I mean leaving quarantine after they've arrived. And right now, that airlock for MLS is just 12 hours long. Players are tested twice in market, if they test negative, they get on a plane, they fly to Orlando, and they test in Orlando upon arrival. They go into their rooms for 12 hours until those test results are back. And once those test results are negative, they can join the bubble. The problem is, as we have now seen on multiple occasions, 10 times with Dallas, one time with Columbus, there is a lag time between when these last tests are being taken in market and when the first tests are being taken in Orlando. And That lag time also can fall within the incubation time for COVID-19. And so we have 11 cases now of players who flagged negative multiple times, but were carrying the disease and eventually tested positive. And the reason is essentially that airlock is not good enough. 
It's not sufficient to decrease the risk to the highest degree. And in speaking to the epidemiologist today, what Dr. Zachary Binney, um, an epidemiologist at Oxford College of Emory University, what he said was essentially that that airlock would have to be probably five to seven days or the length of an incubation period in order to be fairly certain that the disease was not brought in from the outside into the bubble. And that's not going to happen in MLS because they don't have the time to do that. Right now, they're asking teams to arrive seven days before the first game in order to kind of have that airlock ahead of the first game. But what that doesn't protect against is players testing negative for multiple days, training with their team, and then testing positive, as we've seen with the crew. And now the, the, the fear is, the thing you have to hold your breath about is, you hope that that crew player didn't pass COVID on to his teammates during training, and that that won't flag in five to seven days after the incubation period and after the crew has played their first game. And this is the problem of the airlock. You cannot rush coronavirus. You cannot rush COVID. You know, they're not going to know for certain whether that crew player passed COVID on to his teammates. They are not going to know that for another five to seven days. And and that is, you know, that's the scary part right now of the MLS's back tournament. I think, you know, we can take some encouragement out of the fact that, you know, there hasn't been any transmission within the bubble that we know of. But no one should be right. celebrating that because we ju- we don't know that simply because there hasn't been enough time. And and that's this what's scary for me is where we've seen we've seen these positives. We kind of expected some positives to happen in the bubble, but considering that lag time, you know, between those first tests and um and when these players are testing positive and the amount of interaction that they're having with their teammates and soon the amount of interaction that's going to be happening between teams on the field, I, I'm concerned that we could see transmission inside the bubble from teammates within the team and from team to team once competition begins. Yeah, and that's how this thing all falls apart, I think, right? And so backing up a little bit, we, we spoke to, you know, we heard today that the league is proceeding as if Dallas will be a full participant. And now, given what we outlined earlier about the number of players that they have available um, and the fact that their first game is, you know, literally a week from right now as we speak, that seems uh, surprising, I think would be a kind word for it. Um, Now, there can be some maneuverability, right? Maybe they can reschedule the game. There are a bunch of 9 a.m. slots available, um, particularly in the early portion of the tournament that maybe the league could reschedule Dallas and Vancouver for. Um, so, you know, that is a possibility. Uh, we'll see if it shakes out like that. Um, but this is just going to be really interesting. You know, we were hearing from different players that, you know, maybe there's a possibility that Dallas pulls out uh, soon. Um, I don't think that's going to happen because they can pull out. Where are they going to go? It's not like they're going to be allowed to get on a plane right now with that many positive tests. So you might as well keep them there, keep them in isolation and, and hope you can figure something out. But I don't know, man, this this whole thing. Sorry, just to jump in there, but I think you, you know, you kind of mentioned something there with Dallas. And I think that the same thing holds for Nashville, for example, which, you know, uh, they they sat, they sat in a bus. They they sat, 
Yeah, they sat on a bus for an hour and a half tonight. Back, Thursday back it night. up. Back it up. Back it up. They had okay. a positive test the other day. Yep. Yeah. And they, they were a- supposed to leave for for Florida on Wednesday. They had a charter flight all set. Um, they ended up postponing it. Um, it was rescheduled for today on Thursday. They had postponed because they had a positive test. Once they had that positive test, they had everyone retested. And Paul, you take it from there. Well, they, they didn't get the test results back. And from what my conversation with my source is that, that they essentially were told to go to the airport anyway. Um, and they went to the airport with fewer than half of those tests back, the test results of the retests. Um, and they sat on a bus for an hour and a half at the airport while the league attempted to get those test results and, and approve the flight for Nashville to go to Orlando. Beyond all of that, which is just an absolute mess, that, That's crazy, that, that players would way. sit on a bus <laughs> with teammates who could possibly test positive. They could possibly test positive, And they're sitting there on the bus with them for an hour and a half because, you know, MLS wanted to try to get them out tonight is is crazy but for just one second we're gonna pause from the crazy we'll come back to it sam i'll let you i'll let you talk about how crazy that is the other (laughs) aspect of this is nashville hasn't trained for three days okay they play in in less than a week okay so now they're gonna have not trained for four days (laughs) right if they and if they do fly tomorrow they'll have gone four days without training and they're gonna still be expected to play against a team in Chicago that's, that's been able to train fully. So, you know, they're at a disadvantage and they're at a potential higher injury risk, just like Dallas. Even if Dallas does have 16 or 17 players, if they have a pool goalkeeper or USL goalkeeper there, you know, those players haven't trained for multiple days in a row. So that's the added layer to this. But I just wanted to point that out, that there is that added layer of the, you know, these guys not training and then going to go play in Orlando Heat However, let's talk about Nashville on a bus for 90 minutes with fewer than half of their test results back today. Like, why? Yeah, I mean, like, so I, I get it from the perspective, you know, you talk about the airlock and and the training and all of that stuff. So I get why you want to get them down there early. I do. And they're already late. They're already late. And the timeline was, you know, even if they were on time, the timeline, as you discussed, is too short. Right. And to, in all fairness to the league, I think their initial proposal, which feels like a million years ago. So I hope I have all of my facts right here. You know, the eight to 10 week plan that called for a longer airlock period at the start. There was a longer quarantine period at the start of this. So I don't think the league was unaware of this sort of thing. Um, but the players wanted a shorter tournament and they got it. And that led to this. So. You know, but having Nashville on a bus and trying to force the results so they can get on the plane and get to Orlando, when you don't have all the, like, what, just what are you doing? What are you doing? To quote Taylor Twelman, right? Like, it's just, I don't understand it. There's not really any anything else for me to say. There's nothing to make sense of here. If you have less than half of the results of the retest, which is what, which is what you reported, Paul, and you're putting all of those people on a bus together... Not exactly like a great circulation environment. And then you're keeping them there for an hour and a half plus as they wait for a plane that they may or may not be able to get on as you're trying to find the results. That's crazy to me. You know, I get that you want to get them there and I get why you want to get them there. You're you're wanting to do that in part, you know, in some twisted way for their safety. But then you're putting them at further risk by putting them on this bus together and trying to get them down there before things are set and before things are ready. 
And that just sort of brings me to my larger point here, which is I get why MLS is trying to do this. You know, there are jobs on the line here, you know, shoot, our jobs could be on the line, man. Like if there's no MLS season, who knows, right? Um, so there's jobs on the line, there's money on the line, there are real life things for real life people that are normal everyday people just like you and me. Um, and not millionaires or billionaires that are on the line. So I get the motivation. And this is a tough thing to pull off. You know, the NBA is having plenty of trouble with it. They have a much bigger staff than MLS does. Um, sports leagues aren't equipped to pull off an event like this. This is like a military operation in scale. Like, this is an immense thing. And, and no one's ever tried to do it before in terms of a pro sports league. So this is hard. I'm sympathetic to that. Uh, but at the same time, as cases are spiking all around the country and in Florida, where we're, where the league is trying to set up shop, it just seems so silly to be doing this. Like, I mean, I don't know. I get it. And I think the bubble is actually working okay. Um, and, and I think if people can get down there without having positive tests on those planes and coming into Orlando from other markets with positive tests, I think it could even work. But it just seems it just seems pretty risky to me. Um, so I don't know, maybe the reward is worth it. Um, I do know if I was a player, I would not be feeling good about this. Yeah. And, and that might be a good, good moment just to, to pause and, and, and say, okay, we've kind of covered what we wrote about today and, and kind of the main issue here of, of the challenges that this tournament faces. But let's talk about if games begin, right. And what it's going to mean. And I think, you know, this is what's important as you just touched on, I want to first just say, you know, anyone out there that wants to claim that Sam and I don't want this tournament to happen or whatever because we're doing our job reporting about what's going on, they don't understand that thing that you just said, which is we've dedicated our lives and our professions to covering this sport. Our livelihoods are tied directly to the success of this sport in this country. And that means, you know, if the if the league doesn't play or if the league take substantial financial damage and 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 goes under or something that we're we're in trouble. So there's Which, no I mean it's th- not going to go under. It's not going to go under. <laughs> but the there's no one sitting here rooting for MLS's back to fail. We talked today somewhere along the way in that 6 hours about how nice it would be to write about soccer and to cover a game and to not be writing about COVID or about CBA negotiations, or about potential lockouts, all of these things that we've been spending all of our time on. But our job is to report on the league. And right now, that means reporting on positive COVID tests, uh, because these are players' lives that we're talking about, and, and their families. And the, and this is the, what the league is doing right now. And, and there aren't games. And so this is what our, our responsibility is to report. That being said, I think when we talk about when these games start, it is still going to be difficult. You know, at some point we will reach kind of a threshold where if there are no more positive tests happening, we can say, okay, we've, we've kind of gotten over the hump. But that first round of games is going to fall into this window where there is still the possibility of positive tests. And I think it's going to be hard for me to focus just on the games, knowing that there could still be positive tests that happen that we don't know about and spread that could be happening that we don't know about. And I think that's indicative of the idea that, you know, maybe it was better to wait. 
you know, maybe it was better to wait and to figure out, uh, you know, a time to restart the league where it was as safe as possible. And I get that this was a negotiation between the union and the league and that they wanted the shorter time span and that the easiest place to sacrifice was on the front end of the time in Orlando, which is why that airlock is shorter. But maybe that shouldn't have been the place to sacrifice it. And, you know, maybe there should have been reconsideration of this tournament if you couldn't do it in the in in a manner where there was enough time to ensure that spread didn't happen and that that you couldn't ensure that these players were locked down for five days in their rooms by themselves without training before coming out and interacting and training and eating together and and so that to me has changed kind of how i think about this tournament because i'm not going to feel great about it until i i know that the people i'm watching and covering play a sport are actually safe doing so um and and I don't know. I mean, I, I've just ranted for a little bit here, but I'm also sick and tired of hearing people talk about, well, they're professional athletes and they're young and most of them are asymptomatic. First of all, you don't know if most of them are asymptomatic because no no team is reporting who's sick or what their symptoms are. I mean, I think I don't we haven't reported this publicly and we probably should have. But like I, I've heard from multiple people. I, I think you have. I, yep. I don't want to speak for you. So correct me if I'm wrong. But I've heard from multiple people that Dallas, a bunch of the Dallas guys are symptomatic and it's not like heavy symptoms necessarily, but they're definitely sick. And so this is this is a real thing going on down there. Right. And we don't even know yet. You know, you you put this in our piece today, but we don't even uh, – one of the players voiced it to you, Brant Ronico. We don't know yet what even asymptomatic that there could be damage. Uh, there, there are indications that there could be damage to lungs and um, other areas for, for people who have COVID. So you, you take that. Then you add in the fact that these players have family members who aren't professional athletes. And you add in the fact that you don't know whether or not these players are going to be asymptomatic or whether they're going to be just light symptoms. Just because you're young or an athlete doesn't mean that you won't be somebody who falls into that pot. And so you cannot just act under the assumption of, well, they're young and they're athletes and it doesn't matter. And I've been really frustrated by that, that attitude from some people that I've seen. And I know it's a terrible thing to say, but some people I've seen on Twitter because obviously we've been reporting on this a lot and how often I get that response. It's just so ridiculous. Um, and I think it's, it's, uh, it's so easy to just toss athletes into that pot and not think of them as people, you know, and, and it just, it just really upsets me. And I think that we need to change the way we're talking about COVID in regards to these professional athletes because they're not that different than you or me. And, you know, we, we've heard the arguments before at the very beginning of this reporting, Sam, when we were putting out the numbers in Florida of the numbers spiking and everyone was saying, oh, it's all young people. The hospitalization numbers haven't been going up. The death rate. Tell me about the death rate. Tell me. And now the hospitalization numbers are going up and the ICU beds are going down. Yeah. And those people are quiet now because guess what happens when young people get sick? They get old people sick. They get they get at risk people sick. That's because this de- this this disease this virus is very contagious. So it just I think everyone just needs to calm down with the idea of like oh they're professional athletes so they can handle it. 
Yeah. And it's not just professional athletes that are in that bubble. There are plenty of coaches, plenty of trainers, plenty of kit men that maybe aren't so young or maybe aren't so healthy and maybe are a little bit more at risk. So, and, and they're down there too and dealing with the same sorts of things. Paul, I want to pause for a second and I want to come back with, with a bigger discussion, um, a broader discussion about all of this. Um, get away a little bit from the nitty gritty and get a little bit more into the 30,000 foot view. So we'll be back in a second with that discussion. Hey everybody, this is Taylor from the Total Soccer Show interjecting while Sam has given us a break. Let's talk hypothetical anxiety, shall we? That sounds like a fun topic. Are you a professional soccer player who is hypothetically currently going stir-crazy while sitting on a bus and maybe you have been for several hours? Are you maybe quarantined inside a hotel room getting nervous about a bubble potentially being secured with duct tape? Has the hurry-up-and-wait approach to the resumption of your prospective league made it hard to decompress? If so, then I have got a product for you. That product is Sunday Scaries. Sunday Scaries are specially formulated CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that are super consumable and easy to take on the go. The specially formulated CBD products with vitamins can help in all sorts of ways. They can help you chill out, decompress, relax, keep your composure, concentrate on what matters, and quiet your mind. All of those things they can help with. Uh, Sunday Scaries has become the leading CBD brand for millennials. Last year, Sunday Scaries CBD gummies and CBD oil won top accolades from Forbes, Men's Health, Allure, and Best Products. And I think any product that can help with relaxing and calming those nerves and quieting the mind and focusing on what matters, it feels like it should be in Best Products. I get that. Uh, I also get to tell you that you can get 25% off your first order with the code SOCCER at SundayScaries.com. That's 25% off your first order at SundayScaries.com and enter the code SOCCER where it asks for a coupon on the checkout page. You can find out what product might be the best for you. The YOLO Energy Shot with CBD, again, seems intriguing. Uh, so go to SundayScaries.com, use code soccer uh, to get 25% off your first order. Uh, that's it from me. Now back to Paul and Sam. All right. First segment down a little bit more to go here, Paul. Um, you know, we got a lot into the nitty gritty there into the, all the details of what's been happening over the last 24, 48 hours, but let's take a little bit of a step back here and let's talk about why MLS is doing this in the first place kind of how the league got here maybe a little bit and whether or not, you know, this is something that should be happening um, in the grand scheme or if it's just a little bit too hasty and, you know, as a country, maybe we're not quite ready for this. So why, why is MLS doing this? Can you explain it to me? Well, it's, it's money, right? I mean, that's basically why. And, and when we say money, we mean, look, there's a lot of lost revenue, that's happening due to COVID. The no home, especially for a league like MLS, they don't make their money off of their TV deal. The vast majority of the money that MLS makes comes through game day revenue. And that, that revenue is gone. There are no home games. There are no fans. Uh, there are no popcorn sales and beer sales. To, there's no parking. And in addition to kind of those obvious game day revenue points there's also the activation in the stadium the local sponsors uh the local money on on local television activation within those team broadcasts all of that money is gone and so mls needed to find a way to stem the bleeding the most that they could they needed to find a way to generate revenue and to try to capture as much of the the lost revenue as they could and so this tournament became a way to do that very quickly with a partner who was eager to do so in ESPN to put on this this broadcast, um, and and that and that partner that partner being ESPN, yeah. right? And I think and I think that you know 
that this, um, this yeah. tournament's not going to make money for, for the teams, specifically the individual teams for their budgets. But it is going to, it is going to save money, save revenue for the league, which we know that, you know, that's tied specifically to each team. And, you know, it is going to put MLS in a, in a spotlight that they're eager to, to take. And I think it buys them time to try to get back on the field in the fall. So that's why it's being done. And, and I, and, and we should sympathize because all of these leagues are trying to find a way to capture that revenue because they do employ a lot of people and they, you know, they do want to, to be able to keep those, I think most owners to keep those people employed. However, I think they, they could do that and eat the losses, the billionaire owners. But I think this is kind of their way of saying, okay, we, this is, this is how we have to do this in order to have, quote unquote, sustainable losses over the course of this year. Right. They have to get something out of it. They can't just have nothing, Um, which is understandable. These people are running a business, right? They don't get into it all anyway for fun. Um, They do want to have at least a little bit of a return or minimal, as minimal losses as possible because a lot of MLS teams still don't make money. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. You get into the question of why they're doing it. I thought you did a nice job of breaking that down. I think the next question is, should they, right? And I think with that question, you have to start with where everything looked like it was headed a month ago, two months ago, two weeks ago even, or I guess maybe three weeks ago now. Um, and, you know, it's just kind of wild how the cases have spiked, not just in Florida, but in a lot of states across the South and the West um, here over the last few weeks and when this got announced by mls and when the league and the players union agreed to their new cba you know things looked a lot calmer in florida and you know i've been talking to people and some people kind of take a harder line than others but those who take the harder line are like well yeah like but mls should have been able to expect expect this from florida you know the state opened up too early and florida is florida and florida is a little bit crazy and, you know, it was only natural that they were going to have a spike. And sure, you can you can make that argument. I think asking the league to make that projection itself is a little harsh. Um, and things looked ready to rock, even when the deal was announced, right? Think, no one was worried about COVID when the deal was announced um, affecting the tournament in this way. Um, that being said, the facts on the ground have changed. Um, it is spiking in Florida, and it is a more dangerous situation. And it is a more dangerous situation in a lot of the cities that these teams are coming to Florida from. Um, so everything has changed in that regard. Um, but everything has also changed in the regard that the machinery has started moving. And once it starts moving, it's kind of hard to stop, right? Because the league is very vested in keeping this alive for a lot of different reasons, a lot of which which you mentioned. And then the main one is, you know, the people on the ground, right? They want to keep their jobs and they want to keep this thing happening however they can. Um, so it's just going to be really interesting uh, to see how it breaks down. And I feel like I say that all the time. It's going to be really interesting on this podcast. Um, and I kind of hate that I do that, but there's so much uncertainty around this thing. And people have been texting me all day. Do you think this is a good idea? Do you think this should be happening? Is this going to happen? I don't really know. I mean, I think it is going to happen. I don't know if it's a good idea. Right now, it doesn't really feel like one. But I wouldn't really be... I mean, Paul, maybe I'm being naive, and please call me out if I am. But I wouldn't be all that surprised if things 
kind of get relatively calm. We see some positive tests here and there with the 16 teams that are still yet to arrive in Orlando, um, but that it's mostly controlled and mostly under control and the tournament goes off without too many issues. I mean, I don't know. Would you be shocked if that's the case? No, but nothing would shock me at this point in time. I think the the problem is, and right. the, the answer is the answer is we don't know because this is an unpredictable virus. You know, I, speaking today to the epidemiologist, he said, "Yeah, would I have expected something like this to happen with a team like Dallas? Probably because of the way the numbers are happening in Texas. It's it's a city where you could see this happening within a club, right?" But never would they right. have expected. And there are other cities. Right. But never Houston, would he have another, expected LA this to happen. Spiking, yeah. Never would he have expected it to happen for the crew. Right. But all it takes is one person, even in a, a city right. where the numbers aren't huge. The virus is unpredictable. You, that's, that's, that's why it's, and it's incredibly contagious. And so it's impossible for MLS to predict what's going to happen or for us to predict what's going to happen. And I think, you know, the, the, we were talking to someone today that was like, oh, you know, things wouldn't be that much better if they were in their home markets, et cetera. Yeah, sure. But that doesn't mean that the bubble was a better idea, right? If, if, if you could still test positive in your home market, that doesn't mean putting the entire league in the same building is a better idea. It doesn't. And it doesn't mean that right. having this tournament happen in early July – was necessary. You know, MLS is going to be the second yeah. league I mean, back. it was ne- it was never necessary. It was never necessary to have it happen now, right? Never. Like it the I get why the league wanted it to happen quickly, and they wanted it to happen sooner, by the way. Um but it was never necessary to do this. And and I think it's going to be really instructive cuz MLS is sort of the guinea pig here in a lot of different ways. You know, NWSL is already up and doing their thing, and I'm not trying to minimize that. Um, But I think it's also fair to say it's a different size operation. You have eight teams out in Salt Lake for the NWSL. Um, When you're talking about 26 for MLS or 22 that would be going to Orlando for the NBA, it's just a much larger scale, and and the problems, the potential problems, rather, become much bigger. Um, and so if I'm the NBA, I'm looking at MLS and saying, okay, how are they handling this? And is it feasible for us to pull off? Same thing with the NHL. Theirs is a little bit different because it looks like they're going to be going up in Canada where the outbreak isn't nearly as bad as it is in the US. Um, but MLS is kind of the guinea pig here. And I guess that's what you get when you're the low man on the totem pole in terms of the hierarchy of these leagues, right? Um, you have to take the risks. And they're taking the risks and I don't know that it's going to pay off. It might. But I think the thing that was really instructive to me today, and and this is kind of what I personally like, you know, we can keep going, but this is what I, I wanted to make sure I got in before we close is that when I was talking to Brant Bronico, who's a fire midfielder for the story that we wrote, you know, I asked him, I'm like, Brant, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, even if this goes off and even if it, looks good and even if everything's safe and sound it's gonna feel pretty weird to me and pretty strange and paul you spoke to this earlier but it's gonna feel like almost a little dirty you know and i was like what do you think of that like do you think there's any credence to that like you know tell me if i'm an idiot here but like do you share any of those same opinions and he basically said yeah he's like definitely does feel kind of strange you know he's like you see a report today where the u.s has over fifty thousand plus cases and that news just isn't great to hear. And you're coming down here and you're 
in a bubble, but players are getting it and it's all a little bit worrying and it's all a little bit surreal and it's all a little bit strange. And I think that's kind of where I'm at with this whole thing. I don't want to make any more predictions really. Like I think it goes off. I think it happens. Um, but who knows? We're all guessing at this point, right? So it's just, it's a bizarre situation. I hope it works out safely for everyone involved um, and soundly. Um, and hopefully it works out in a way that, you know, we can get some soccer back. But I think the priority here has to be on the players and the staff and them remaining as safe as possible. And I'm not sure that that's always been number one for the league. Um, in fact, you know, I can just say it like it hasn't been because if it was, they probably wouldn't be doing this in the first place. So that's what I needed to get off my chest. But I'm not sure if if you want to take that anywhere else, Paul. Yeah, I just want to say I think we we should probably spell this out for people who are listening. I don't think anywhere for either of us across any of our reporting to this point has there been any indication that the league is close to canceling this tournament. Um, no the 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 percentage chance that this tournament is canceled. I mean, I mean, they think Dallas is still going to go all the way, yeah, and, and participate. Yeah. Like, so no, let's just put that not, out there. We it's a guessing this game, but this soon. yeah, this thing is happening, right? This thing is happening. Um, at least as of today. Now, I say as of today because I <laughs> good I qualifier. <laughs> I mean, like, look, we were reporting at the beginning of COVID. I remember being on the phone with a league source, and I was outside in my car on, I couldn't get out of my car cause the call happened. And, and I, I was sitting right outside of my condo and I remember saying, you know, is there any chance that, um, that they, that these games are canceled and that we, we see a pause and, and, um, that games are played, um, eventually in empty, empty stadiums or uh, at neutral sites. And they said, no, there's, you know, that's not even under consideration, you know, the revenue is needed. It had, that hasn't even been discussed. I said, okay. One source, so we didn't write it. We kind of talked about it. I think you and I talked about it. The next day, the next day, they talked about it happening that way, right? So things move quickly in the era of COVID. Change has to happen quickly. But But I do think it's substantial and worth saying that in the course of our reporting over the last week, Every indication has been that MLS is bullish on this tournament happen, happening. They believe that Dallas is an anomaly, which hopefully it is. And that, you know, that the protocols that they have in place will be enough to manage something like what's happened with Columbus. And that the tournament's going to go off and everything's going to be fine. I hope that is the case. I hope that is the case. Me too. And... I mean, unless you got anything else you want to unload, I think I, I think it would be good for us. We've reported on so many negative things. <laughs> Let's end on a note of hope and positivity. Oh, man, I can't believe you said <laughs> that. Because I hope it's the case, too, and I hope this thing comes off. Well, I was going to say, if we're going to end it, I guess we're going to say ending on hope, but I did have one other thing that I wanted to kind of smack down. Are you going to burst for. my bubble? Yeah, I am. I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna burst your bubble. Um, Just don't burst the Orlando one. I just wanted to quickly note, and I think we'll at some point when we can talk or report or do anything that is not COVID related, that we'll probably have a podcast about this um, because it's something I get really fired up about. But in the course of my reporting over the last week of non-COVID stuff, the only thing I think I've written was 
you know, an academy story about what's going on in Minnesota. And there are big question marks there as Minnesota tries to figure out what their academy is going to look at and look like next year. And some of these kids are are questioning whether or not they're going to get releases. And, you know, Minnesota's not been totally clear with them based on my reporting and the idea of what is a release and who has homegrown rights and territory rights. Okay, MLS territory rights should go away. Let's just start there. But the idea that an MLS academy can tell parents they don't know if they're going to exist in the way that the, that an academy team has existed since 2007 and still claim that they own territorial rights over kids is a joke. And I think it's a very simple solution for Major League Soccer to say, if you do not field an academy team that has X, Y, and Z minimum standards that meet those standards of every other Major League Soccer team, then you do not have territorial rights. Now, those should go, again, I believe those should go away, period, across the country. If we really care about player development, then any team should be able to go into any market and take a kid and develop that kid. There's too many kids in this country to say only the Red Bulls and NYCFC can can scout in New York and only Chicago Fire can scout in Chicago. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It makes no sense. It is not for the betterment of American soccer or for Major League Soccer. But especially if you're going to put in a small percentage of what every other MLS team is doing. And, you know, this is a story that I've, I've, I'm going to continue to report as soon as I get a chance to kind of look away from Orlando and COVID. But I just wanted to say something about it today because it, it's relevant. It's been happening this week and I, I, I'm aware of it. I'm not letting it go. And I, I, and I hope that MLS does. Paul is the, on the case, writing. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I mean, I'm reporting it, and I, I'm, I'm sorry, not, I'm not letting the reporting go. This just go. took a direction I was not expecting. <laughs> he will have a good story, I promise. If he doesn't, I'll yell at him for you. So there you go. On that note, also Nashville. Just so I can get in on something ridiculous, Nashville sitting on that bus is ridiculous. I'll say that. On that note. Hope and positivity. <laughs> Hopefully everyone stays safe down there in Orlando. Uh, this has been Allocation Disorder. I am Sam Stasekul. He is Paul Tenorio. Until next time. Paul, next week we might have games to talk about, man. What a world. Anyway, until next time, uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.